All right, welcome back to the Middle Tech Podcast. You've got Logan Jones here with Evan Knowles, recording out of the Sales River studio today. And man, do we have a lot of awesome news to be going over on this episode. A uh, bunch of news coming out of the state of Kentucky, so this is a very Kentucky news-heavy episode. Uh, we heard about the new investments uh, coming to Kentucky, really securing us as the battery capital of the country, which is exciting and uh, awesome to see that much money and that many jobs coming into the state. So excited to break down that one, talk about what type of, uh, of uh, investment it actually is, what type of companies are actually coming here. Um, we're also going to be talking about the two big bills that made it through the House and the Senate and are now on their way to be signed by Governor Bashir. That is uh, legalizing sports gambling as well as medical marijuana. Uh, so two huge bills for Kentucky that have been uh, trying to be passed for a long, long time. Both were passed within like 12 minutes of each other. Yeah. Um, so excited to, to break that down. And then the last story here, uh, one around AI, uh, and that is just this open letter that has been signed by like over 1,700 people, some of the brightest minds in the space, uh, in, the, in the field of artificial intelligence, basically calling for a six-month halt on artificial intelligence development. So we're excited to break these stories down. Before we get into this, uh, please remember to subscribe to our YouTube channel, follow us across all socials at Middle Tech Podcast, and hit that notification bell. Let's get a quick word from our sponsors. Middle Tech is presented by KY Innovation, the Kentucky Cabinet for Economic Development's Office of Entrepreneurship. KY Innovation is currently accepting applications for its SBIR-STTR matching funds program. Kentucky's program is a national trendsetter for providing critical non-dilutive capital to support the high-tech research, development, and commercialization of novel ideas within the Commonwealth. SBIR matching funds have directly contributed to the creation of more than 700 jobs, more than 200 patents filed, and more than $160 million raised in private follow-on funding into dozens of companies relocating to the state. The matching funds application window is open through April 24th. To apply and learn more about support services for companies that want to explore SBIR, STTR grants and contracts, visit kyinnovation.com SBIR. Middletech is sponsored by Bolt Marketing. Take your website to the next level with a website that's built to work. At Bolt Marketing, they're revolutionizing websites for small businesses that are affordable, customizable, and hassle-free. Whether you have a construction company, a boutique clothing store, or you own a hot yoga studio, they have options for you. Click the link in our show notes to explore their marketing options that can transform your marketing and grow your business. And as a personal note, Bolt Marketing built our website and they were awesome to work with throughout the entire process. We highly recommend working with them. All right, so this first story we're discussing here, again, we have some big news coming from the governor's office, uh, more investment coming into the state, again, for um, battery production. So Evan, give us the, the overview of the story and let's dive into talking about the details. Yeah, so we're on fire when it comes to EV battery production here in the state. So Intervenue is the name of the latest big announcement. So it's a big uh, manufacturer of what they call metal hydrogen batteries uh, for stationary storage. So we'll share a screen here and show you exactly what that looks like. So that's one of the cells. Uh, and then what they do is they package those cells up and use them for industrial purposes, for large-scale uh, grid. See some of the benefits here. They're known to be very durable, safe, sustainable, uh, versatile, flexible, and superior uh, when it comes to their outputs. Mm -hmm. So if you scroll down, this is a totally different uh, technology than lithium ion, as you can see by the first picture we showed. Uh, but here are some use cases, like I said, uh, grid scale, 
for production uh, and then commercial and industrial. So if you scroll down a bit, you can see a picture of it being used in wow, a nice. manufacturing facility there attached to a building. Uh, they're uh, typically used for you know manufacturing, uh, but they come in kind of these really safe kind of isolated uh, big packs that you can just attach to a side of a building. They say you can put it inside of the walls of a building, huh. uh, which is really unique. And then there at the bottom, you can see that they're also developing in the future uh, some residential use cases. Uh, so you can just attach these uh, battery packs to, let's say, the ceiling of your garage or within one of your walls or up in your attic. So there's all kinds of ways to store these uh, and they're safe to store, you know, like they said, inside of a wall or something and they last a really long time. Uh, it's a pretty cool technology. Yeah, I think this is really exciting. Um, I think this is going to play, a, you know, a big role in helping transition the grid from uh, fossil fuels to renewable energy. Stuff like this is very important. Uh, and I think it's just also really cool when you look at some of the applications of it, both in commercial uh, as well as residential, and then some of the uh, new benefits around these types of batteries, reduce fire risk and things like that. So um, let's move on to this next announcement well first off um yeah let me go into the yeah, details go into of the, the details. size of the investment here so all that, yeah. it was a 264 million dollar investment a 1 million square foot facility they're calling it a gigafactory in shelby county kentucky um, so the initial project will create 450 jobs uh, so a lot of jobs there uh, so it's really exciting um, and this is going to become their primary facility uh, for the company where they uh, manufacture these energy storage vessels is again what they call these um, they're going to do all the design all the process validation manufacturing and testing all on the site so uh, they're really invested in the state and the talent here in uh, the state of kentucky and we we were discussing this uh last night can you reference how many jobs like some of these other uh, developments have come to the state or bring i know we talked about the two billion dollar ford plant that brings around, what do you say, 50,000-ish jobs, something like that? No, so 5,000 jobs okay. with the Ford 5, plant. If that was 50,000 jobs, <laughs> I mean, the population of Kentucky yeah. is is 45,000 right now, so that'd be crazy. But uh, overall, all of the projects since uh, Governor Brashear uh, got into his administration have been about 44,500 total mm -hmm. jobs. Um, so that's, you know, a lot of job growth, and that's an investment of about uh, $25.6 so, I mean, he's killing it. He's bringing a lot of economic ex expansion, uh, net new projects into the state. Uh, and so these these battery projects are a big, big part of that. Yeah. And then we also had uh, a second um, announcement come alongside that first one uh, for another, um, another battery. I, I guess this one's more of like a research facility. So MicroVast, uh, $504 million investment in Hopkinsville, creating 562 full-time job, full jobs. Uh, this operation is going to be going on in Commerce Park 2 in Hopkinsville. That's going to be a 350,000 uh, square foot building on 100 acres. Um, so I know you're the one who kind of dove into this article. You said it's a, it's more like technical, cutting-edge research. Can you elaborate on that in any sort of way? I know you said that it's kind of over our heads as far as what they're actually doing there. Yeah, so this is going to also be a big manufacturing facility. Uh, they make battery technology for car makers like GM. Um, definitely don't understand the battery technology, but they are uh, developing some cutting-edge technology to basically help these EV companies take their technology to market faster. Um, so a lot of these car companies, they're outsourcing you know, their battery production and building you know, joint ventures and partnerships. Um, and so players like MicroVast uh, are a big part of that kind of ecosystem. 
Um, so, you know, GM, Ford, their biggest bottleneck is batteries. For them to transition their car fleets to being electric, uh, their biggest bottleneck, again, is, is partnering with companies like Microvast to get it done. Um, so Microvast uh, is going to be uh, shipping the batteries to car manufacturers. And again, the I-65 corridor going through Kentucky is a big part of that. Um, so this is just another component. Yeah, that's awesome. Awesome to see uh, all, all this investment coming into the state, like I said, solidifying us as the battery capital of the country. Um, all right, let's move on to the next major announcements coming out of the state, this time uh, coming from some bills that have been passed, like I mentioned, uh, the passage of medical marijuana, getting through both the House and the Senate, as well as the legalization of sports gambling. Uh, so these, these two bills have been uh, floated around Kentucky. I feel like most of the people who live here, most of the citizens of Kentucky have wanted these two, two bills to pass. They finally got it through both the House and the Senate. Now it goes on to Governor Bashir, who is a vocal supporter of both of these bills. Um, so let's get into them. Let's break them down. Uh, I'll kick us off by just kind of talking high level about what this bill for marijuana says. Um, so this is going to be Senate Bill 47 to legalize and regulate medical marijuana in Kentucky. Um, so this is passed by a 26 to 11 vote. Uh, so passed by a pretty good margin there. Um, <clears throat> and like I said, it's now uh, it's gone through both the House and the Senate now on to Bashir. Now they listed out uh, essentially six medical conditions in which uh, you would qualify to get a medical card for, for medical marijuana. It's going to be any type of cancer, uh, regardless of stage, uh, chronic, severe, intractable, or debilitating pain, epilepsy, multiple sclerosis, muscle spasms, uh, which this is kind of more than six, but I guess they're all related, uh, chronic nausea, and then post-traumatic stress disorder. And then I think the last point here that I was really interested to see is they're also establishing uh, a new Kentucky Center for Cannabis at the University of Kentucky that is going to be like a research center. And it basically says that any uh, eligible medical condition that they uncover through their research uh, at this facility could also be eligible for it. Um, so I think those are, you know, some 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 awesome points just around how they went around went around uh, structuring this bill. Anything else stand out to you around the story and uh, what was actually contained in the bill? Yeah, I love the research component and kind of the the diligence that the state is going to do rolling this out. Um, I think it's very research focused uh, and methodical, and I love how they're investing in the state of um, Kentucky's biggest university, University of Kentucky. Um, I think that, uh, for one, uh, marijuana is in our DNA as a state. Um, whether we like it or not, uh, the largest drug syndicate in U.S. history at one time was in the United States here in Kentucky. It's the Cornbread Mafia. They're known for growing marijuana. The state is great for growing marijuana as far as you know the features of uh, our soil uh, and just our ability to farm. Uh, so this is just, I think, uh, it, it was just due to happen. Mm -hmm. um, and I love how they're going to be investing. I think that this can be a way for Kentucky to stand out in this field and kind of using research as a forcing mechanism to put out uh, safe, smart regulation uh, is really going to force the researchers to uh, do a great job and come up with discoveries on side effects, use cases, new ways to use THC and other cannabinoids. Um, so I think it's a pretty smart move. Uh, and I think that people from around the world could potentially look at Kentucky as kind of the research hub yeah. for this. Yeah, and I think a couple other nuances to discuss about this bill is the way the method of consumptions they lay out. So you can't smoke it, 
um, but you can vape it, vapor or so you can vaporize it, uh, ingest it, so like edibles, and then I think like topical, so like yeah. creams and stuff like that. Um, so anyway, uh, it's a it's a start for sure. We'll see where it goes from here. Uh, and then I think kind of one of the things we were chuckling about, we were reading through some of the articles uh, about like that they actually passed this bill in, and one of the uh, opponents of this bill, well, Senator Gary Boswell, who's a pro- Republican from Owensboro, is on the record as saying that marijuana is the scourge of the earth and it's destroying our youth. Yeah. So I, I looked up this guy's picture, and he looks <laughs> like somebody that would say that. Um, I think it's just, you know, old way of looking at things. Yeah. You know, alcohol is far more dangerous than marijuana. I just think that's an old way to look at things. Um, yeah, I, just, I agree with you. you know, times agree. have changed. Yeah. Um, I thought something that popped into my head is, you know, does, does App Harvest give a, a thought to dedicating some of their growth space? Yeah. You know, you know what happens with the company. Yeah, they've got, they've got the perfect facilities for it. That was just something that they kind of popped into my mind. Um, some other things, you know, I'm, I'm – in support of full legalization. One, just for the economic benefits of it. Uh, two, I think it's important to look at our history as an area when you think of things like the opioid crisis. You're now arming doctors with an alternative to that and an alternative that is being shown to be effective. I think that's a really important part of this. And then, I, you know, I think we can all be adults here. When consumed to an equal amount of intoxication, like if you're, you know, alcohol versus marijuana, marijuana is less harmful. Yeah. And I think you know, that's just, I don't, I don't know why there's still such a stigma around yeah. that. Yeah. Um, but to still man against, you know, the other side of it, like, why do we not want to have uh, marijuana legalized here? I can't see it being a gateway drug. So it has to be very regulated, controlled, um, all that sort of thing, just to kind of paint both sides of it. Um, so anything else you want to add to that story before moving on to discussing sports gambling? No, I mean, you mentioned like the the toxicity of marijuana versus alcohol for our body is, you know, just just not comparable. Um, and then also the deaths there. So, you know, if you look at the number of deaths caused by, you know, both, it's not, you know, there's no comparison to be made. Yeah. Um, so that that's my argument for making it just recreationally legal is, hey, we've got a state that's known for alcohol, the amount of people that die from alcohol, you know, it's multiples. I mean, there's not even many reported deaths for due to marijuana. You can't really overdose or do anything ridiculously stupid when you're high. You know, it's just, it's just a, a dumb argument. In my opinion. <laughs> uh, well, let's move on to talking about uh, sports gambling as well. So, kind of an equally big bill for Kentucky to get passed, and not only did it get passed, it got passed like within 12 minutes uh, yeah. of of the legalization of medical marijuana. So, I'm pulling up this tweet here. I was following this reporter that was kind of live tweeting the session, and he was saying, you know, pausing to note how truly amazing it is that bills to give final passage to medical marijuana and sports betting are now simultaneously on the floor. And then he goes on to say, you know, by my calculations, SB 47 and HB 551 uh, received final passage within like 12 minutes of each other. So it's like not only did these bills pass, they were on the floor together and passed that quickly together, which I think is just like an interesting interesting, uh, point to make about that. Um, but as far as sports gambling goes, um, this is uh, something that also uh, passed with a, a pretty good margin, which I feel like uh, Damon Thayer was saying, oh, we don't have the votes for it, or trying to shut it down. Um, passed with a 25 to 12 vote uh, and now heads to the, the desk of Governor Andy Bashir, just like the medical marijuana bill. Um, I think the main point that I kind of pulled out of this is how they're going to tax it. So where the tax revenue is going to come from. Um, uh, bettors are going to be able to bet at the Kentucky Speedway, horse tracks around the state. Uh, if you bet in person, 
there's going to be an exercise tax of 9.75%. Um, and then there's also going to be online wagering, which is going to be taxed at 14.25%. Yeah. Um, so pretty, pretty hefty taxes for that. I'm going to probably generate some really good revenue for the state. Uh, I think this was, you know, a no brainer for a state that loves, you know, basketball as much as we do football as much as we do. And the other kind of thing that popped into my head is, uh, you know, that area in, uh, in Lex Live that they got like all of the TVs and everything. Yeah. I wonder if they're going to be able to somehow have online betting there and turn that into a whole sports yeah. book, really yeah. change that area. I think they should. I mean, the way that I look at the way they've broken up these taxes, you know, if you place a wager at a track, uh, it's 9.75% tax. And then if you do it online, it's 1425 and so I think what they're doing is they're incentivizing people to go into the existing tracks mm-hmm. uh, and continue to invest in our, uh, you know, our culture of horse racing here in Kentucky. And I think they can really potentially build some unique experiences that are outside of horse racing, but just attach them to the tracks. Uh, so you can imagine at Keeneland there being, you know, a sports book that is open uh, without there being necessarily races going on. Or there could be races going on, and you have a group of people that are there to have fun and watch, you know, whatever sport they're gambling on. And then there's horse racing going on, and they can, you know, during halftime or after whatever they're watching, go gamble on some horses and kind of get best of both worlds. I think that's a really cool, unique entertainment opportunity for the state of Kentucky to mix, you know, our culture with something that's growing so fast, like uh, sports betting. I think they can build some unique experiences and expand these tracks in unique ways around sports gambling. Um, to draw a larger audience for the horse industry. You know, I think it's a, you know, it's a way to get more people in the doors of these horse tracks and make them you know, more passionate about things that are unique to Kentucky, like horse racing. Yeah, totally agree. So excited to see how this one rolls out. Um, I guess two important points, I'm not sure if we mentioned this on the medical marijuana story. Medical marijuana doesn't go into effect until 2025. However, sports betting, I believe this one will go into effect next year. Uh, unless you've seen otherwise. Um, so super exciting to see all of this news coming from Kentucky, not only with the battery investments, but also with some uh, big legislation getting through and be signed into law. Um, now let's move on to our AI Edge segment. We've got kind of an eerie story to be discussing for this AI Edge segment. I think as we've continued talking about artificial intelligence and how quickly it's advanced on this podcast, I mean, every single week we've had some new story to talk about and the stories have been significant. The space is just moving at breakneck speed. And uh, here over the past, I guess this past week, a letter came out signed by around 1,700 individuals calling for the halt, the halting of development on artificial intelligence systems, uh, which seems eerie. It seems like a pivotal moment. It seems like a moment we're really going to remember in time. Um, but Evan, break down this uh, this letter for us a little bit, and then let's start talking about you know our thoughts on it and what it means. Yeah. So I... I just want to make sure that the audience understands that this is the biggest, fastest technology evolution to ever happen uh, ever in history. Uh, This is the most impactful uh, technology ever. And so just keep that in mind when you're hearing about stories related to this um, because it is kind of scary. It's super exciting to see the use cases and kind of value that this can produce, but the pace at which Uh, It's moving and the potential outcomes, both positive but negative, uh, I think is where Elon's coming from here, um, are substantial. Uh, It'll completely change things like our economic policy. It'll completely change the way governments work. uh, And it'll change what it means to be human completely. 
you know, when you have something like uh, artificial general intelligence, which is where this is moving, uh, that changes what it means to be a human. Uh, it, it, we'll see. We don't know what that means, but it will change what it means to be a human. And I think what Elon and some of these others are saying is, hey, let's kind of slow down here and think about what's going on. And so we'll read from this, this article here, and exactly what they say is contemporary AI systems are now becoming human competitive at general tasks. Ask ourselves, should we let machines flood our information channels with propaganda and untruth? So if it were to get out of hand and uh, out of control, you know, it could potentially sway our thinking and our media in ways that you know, we're, one, not noticing, but two, are not in our benefit. Um, and has that capability. So that's one wanna, scary part there. And what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I want to hit on that one. Just because I feel like we've seen each individual piece of what they're talking about there and understanding how this could be very easily capable for a, for a, an artificial intelligence system. We've seen the generative AI. We've seen uh, everyone believe that the Pope was dripped out in that, <laughs> in that yeah. white jacket. Yeah. So we've seen it be able to create actual images of real people that, that, is really, that is really hard to tell if it's not real or not. And then, of course, I'll throw it back to the Cambridge Analytica thing, being able to leverage data that is available through these social media platforms to be able to influence people by showing them you know, one side or another, showing them one piece of propaganda or another. You combine all of those things, and you can see how this could get really dangerous. So I think it's important to be calling these sorts of things out. Um, but continue on, let's, let's discuss yeah. it. Uh, and on. then quote another quote from the article here, uh, should we automate away all of the jobs, including the fulfilling ones? Should we develop non-human minds that might eventually outnumber, outsmart, and make us obsolete and replace us? Should we loss of control of our civilization? You know, that that's a little bit more heavier yeah. of a quote there. Um, but I mean, you you start to think about where this could go. And like I said, this is going to change the way government works, the way economic policy works. Um, and if you go the negative route on this, uh, it's dangerous. This is There's a lot of people comparing artificial intelligence development right now uh, to the development of nuclear bombs. Um, it, is, it is of that uh, magnitude of a technology that can affect a lot of people, both uh, it, you know, nuclear bombs, it's just really kind of a negative outcome you know, AI definitely has way more of a positive uh, ability, but the negative outcomes are about that of a nuclear bomb. You know, it could it could be treacherous. In terms of effect on the on the human race, absolutely. I think that that it's just it's so different. It's like kind of comparing apples to oranges, fiery death versus uh, just losing trust in all of our information sources and every you know everything that it kind of lays out in this letter. Well, I mean, it's not just information. I mean, you can have it overtake grids, you oh, know, potentially sure. when for cars sure. are driving themselves. You know, there's all kinds of ways that, you know, devices, power generation is plugged into the grid and internet. And, you know, you can potentially have it do some scary things that actually affect the physical nature of, of us as well. Yeah. Um, and did you mention the, uh, the Goldman Sachs um, report that was predicting... 300 million jobs essentially yeah. being automated away from this. Yeah, so one of the, I think, most immediate things that scares me that I foresee coming is that basically uh, this is potentially going to displace a lot of jobs faster than we figure out how to replace them. Mm -hmm. And Goldman Sachs predicts that there's about 300 million jobs um, around the world that could be displaced by AI um, very quickly. And so what I think is going to happen 
is right now you're not seeing a ton of displacement yet due to AI. You know, I just think companies are still trying to figure out, you know, how to implement it, the best way to implement it, it's the most scalable manner. Uh, and when the first company does, let's say it's a, a large call center, uh, when that first large call center does, all of their competitors are not going to have a choice. They're going to have to do the same thing. Hmm. And it's going to happen quickly. And so I think that what's going to end up happening is the replacement and our economy and just we're not going to be able to react. Um, I think it's going to be delayed more than we want, and we're going to have to figure out how to solve for that. Um, it could be universal basic income. Uh, it could be some kind of regulation on companies to have you know, human human labor. I, it sounds crazy, but that's coming. I think it's going to be here in the, within the next five years of when we have to start making those decisions of do we prioritize humans in job roles and like require companies to have a certain number of humans um, or do we just hand people money because they're out of a job and they've been automated away and their skill sets uh, are easily replaced by AI if you're a call center person it's not not it's not good for you if yeah. you're a paralegal it's not good for you if you're doing anything language based or heavily knowledge based that is black and white it's not good for you entry level developers not good for you so there's a lot of jobs that are about to um, just be displaced. Yeah, I feel like it's going to be quicker than five years. I feel like it's a rubber band right now. We've seen so much advancement happen so fast, and the you know the market has not really reacted to that in terms of the amount of jobs that are going to be able to be replaced by this. I think once that happens, it's going to be like a snapping rubber band, and it's it's probably going to be uh, pretty harmful um, in terms of you know the amount of employment that we see in our country and uh, the types of jobs that that are being automated away by this technology. Uh, another part of this letter that I feel like is important to call out the purpose of taking this this break um, is to essentially get together and try to come up with a shared set of safety protocols for advanced AI design uh, and development that are rigorous, rigorously audited and overseen by independent outside experts. I think this part's essential. Very we basically, we yeah. basically need like a meeting to sign the constitution yeah. uh, for artificial intelligence. And I think if we have, you know, what does this letter have on it right now? This has... Uh, over 1,700 signatures for this open letter to pause development. I think that it needs to be taken as seriously as like declaring our independence, which sounds so ridiculous to say, but like this is such a pivotal moment. When have you ever seen such a reaction that you get a letter like this? Uh, you, you never saw anything like this when we were switching from you know uh, desktop to mobile, which is another big platform shift. I think this when the internet first came out. Uh, actually, you probably did see some stuff like this, but not on this level of kind of people really taking it as seriously as what, as what AI has been taken, at least by the top, top minds in the field here. Um, and then kind of the last part here of this letter that I wanted to hit on before we kind of give our thoughts on it a little bit more than what we have, uh, as it says, humanity can enjoy a flourishing future with AI. Having su succeeded in creating powerful AI systems, we can now enjoy an AI summer in which we reap the rewards. Um, and then it ends by saying, let's enjoy a long AI summer, not rush into an unprepared fall. I think that's a great way to put it. Um, like we've kind of said, the, the common theme is how quickly this has moved. Let's just like pause for a second. We've had enough advancements to last us at least a year. Let's just slow down yeah. and, and learn how to use what we've got. Yeah, a very small percentage of people uh, have, you know, tried ChatGPT or these other technologies to their potential. Very small p p amount of people. Mm -hmm. um, so we definitely need to give, you know, this isn't going to happen. You know, they're not going to stop. AI development. It's just not possible, uh, in my opinion. I think what they're really trying to do here is just get people to weigh critically about what's going on and, and want there to be some kind of 
regulation and oversight of this, both here in the United States, but also globally. You know, the rest of the world is looking at the United States and seeing how quickly, you know, our companies are developing this. I would, I'm sure they would love some kind of international collaboration and also think about, you know, our, uh, our enemies, you mm. know, whether it's China or Russia, you know, you know, they're working on this as well. And so there just needs to be a very thoughtful approach. Um, it doesn't, I don't personally think that means stopping development. Again, I don't, I just don't think that's possible. Um, but I do think we need to take a more methodical approach to how we're uh, developing this and keep uh, people accountable and make sure that their decisions are very transparent because, again, this is uh, wide-ranging effects of this technology. Um, on, in a positive light, you know, I think a lot of this has been negative. You know, look at the positive of what it means to develop this kind of artificial intelligence and eventually there be AGI, is it maybe frees humans up to do things that we were meant to do? You know, I think humans are very empathetic, creative creatures. And when you have a lot of the tasks people don't like to do that we just do for money today, uh, it opens us up to do things that maybe we're meant to do around uh, creativity, entrepreneurship, uh, helping each other, uh, just, you know, who knows what comes of it? We don't know. You know, I think there's better purposes for humans than uh, moving widgets around in a manufacturing facility or answering the same phone call over and over again all day. You know, you'd hope that there's more for us than that, and this is maybe an opportunity for us to discover what that is. It just might not be a great transition, uh, and maybe there'll be some pain uh, before that. That's the way I'd, I prefer to look at it. Yeah, I agree with all that. I think my main points from it, I'm taking this seriously. Um, I agree that it's probably going to be really hard to stop development of systems like this. It's just you've opened Pandora's box. Um, it's just going to be hard to coordinate everyone's actions to actually uh, enforce a pause. I think the other thing, um, you know, my theme that I always continue to hit on with AI is just the speed. But I think the interesting way to look at that and how to how to frame this um, in terms of like the history of human civilization is like. It took us, you know, thousands of years to move from hunting and gathering to the agricultural revolution. It only took us a hundred years, a few hundred years, to move from the industrial revolution to the information age. And now we're seeing these advancements with AI. Like we don't have those few hundred years to adapt in the same ways that we did when, like, we were moving from the industrial revolution to the information age, uh, the information revolution. And I think that we just have to be very mindful of that. Um, we as, as humans on the aggregate, like a full society, we're just going to need time to figure out what this means for us. And I think one of the existential questions, I put this on my story, we don't have to linger on this too long because this could go down a few rabbit holes, but of uh, can artificial intelligence be conscious? I just think that's a question that's going to be asked a lot because it's going to force us to look back at ourselves and, and try to understand what consciousness is. And I think if anything, that might be that it'll either be a big positive that comes from all the artificial intelligence research or it'll have some pretty profound psychological effects on like an entire species almost. If we come to find out, if we come to understand consciousness inherently, we can, let's say down the road, we can uh, understand that artificial intelligence can be conscious. That really, uh, that kind of hurts our ego as humans if, if, we've, yeah. if we realize that we're not as special, this thing that we can be self-aware is not as special as we once thought it was. Yeah. Yeah, I think the other thing that I've noticed with uh, this whole, I guess, following the thought leaders in the space, you can kind of see a common narrative forming right now, and it's all around this AI alignment problem. So this is definitely a problem to be paying attention to. It's what some of the smartest people in the space are paying attention to right now. 
Uh, and I mean, this open letter again, just kind of reiterate, re reiterates, emphasizes the importance uh, of slowing down or at least just like taking a break to say, like, hey, what's going on here? How do we need to regulate this? How do we need to make sure this continues to go in the right direction? Yeah. So I, I definitely, again, I don't, I don't think it's going to stop or slow down. I think it's really just bringing attention to it and saying, hey, yeah. you know, regulators, hey, people that can affect this technology, let's, let's collectively get together. This is how serious we are. And let's talk about this. Yeah, which I think is an important thing to do. Even if we don't pause, I think calling attention to this entire thing through that open letter, uh, it's going to have accomplished its goal. Yeah. Um, but as part of the AI Edge segment, we always like to give an AI tip of the week. I saw you put an interesting, interesting one in there that you described to me a little bit, and it sounds like a pretty cool one. So take us through what your AI tip of the week is here. Yeah, let me pull up. So I found a cool tweet. Uh, for any of you wondering, like, what's the best way to learn about AI the quickest, Twitter is by far the best. Mm -hmm. You know, all of the people developing on these platforms and leveraging them in new and novel ways are posting how they're doing that on Twitter. And so I saw a really cool one come across my feed yesterday, actually. Um, so it says, ChatGPT is really close to creating a universal education simulator based on just a paragraph prompt. So here is uh, the prompt that he used um, to use it as an educational coach or a simulation where it's coaching him on some kind of skill he wants to develop. So he said, um, this is the prompt. I want to do a deliberate practice about how to become better at negotiations. You will be my negotiation teacher. You will simulate a detailed scenario in which I have to engage in a negotiation. You will fill my role of one party you will fill the role of one party, I will fill the role of the other. You will ask for my response to each step of the scenario and wait until you receive it. After getting my response, you will give me details of what the other party does and says. You will grade my response and give me detailed feedback on what to do better using the science of negotiation. You will give me a harder scenario if I do well and an easier one if I fail. Uh, and it did that. And he showed pictures of it giving him that simulation. Um, so super interesting way to leverage it to basically teach yourself all kinds of topics um, and skills. Yeah, that one's exciting to me. I could see uploading like a YouTube video transcript of a something you're trying to learn, a skill you're trying to learn, uploading uh, a book uh, that has a you know a skill in it or information that you're wanting to learn. I think that all just kind of revolves around education and really leveraging the technology to uh, to teach you how to do things. Yeah, I so. personally think the future of education has to be built around this technology using prompts and the interface is basically a just kind of a, a better UX than having to type prompts. Uh, it's just kind of a more natural uh, basically interface where you can click a button that basically pre-populates a, a prompt or it knows kind of where you're at in the process and suggest you prompts that you then choose um, education I mean, the whole, this, this this completely changes education in every way. Uh, so we'll see how this changes, how it's delivered. Uh, and I think prompts in this scenario uh, and kind of going back and forth with AI is a great way to learn. Yeah, absolutely. It's been one of my favorite ways. I want to I wanna try and figure out how to do some coding or at least stitch together some APIs for just like MVP type of ideas. Um, plan on using ChatGPT to learn how to do that. I've got, I got access to GPT-4 now. So um, like it's been fun to, kind of test it out, test its limits. Um, anything else to add to the AI Edge segment before we wrap that up? Nope. Awesome. Um, well, this week we do not have a founder interview we're going to share with this episode, so we will be doing that uh, next week. So be on the lookout for another interview with a local founder uh, that we'll put out 
uh, the, the coming week. So thank you all for tuning in. I hope you guys have uh, been informed about all the awesome news going on in the state, uh, as well as uh, this AI story here. So thank you guys for listening, and we'll talk to you next time.